Well, welcome to our podcast. It's been a few weeks and I've got a special guest who's just sitting in Claire's chair. It's Diana. It's Diana. You're not Claire. This is a guest speaker. So um, Claire is at pains for me to know, or for people to know. She's not left. It's just uh, uh, she's been having a busy week with work and come. we were planning to do it Sunday nights, but it didn't kind of work out. So I invited Diana to be guest on our podcast. So thank you for joining us. Diana and it's an opportunity uh, we've worked together for many years now and uh, I think as I was thinking about it I was reflecting on um, nearly eight years of working together but you've you've kind of always been at Shelford haven't you? Yes I've been here always I mean really always so since I was uh, just in nappies so a long time. (laughs) So a long time so Uh, and then over the last two years people will know you uh, certainly uh, engage with you on Sunday mornings because of Dinah and Clive. Yes, I think Clive is more famous than me. He, uh, <laughs> People are always asking me how he is. People want to speak about him. And um, he had quite a lot of Christmas presents this year. Which Did he? What he did had, he get? He had more than me. Well, he's, he's actually, he's had, um, he's had a, a little um, niece. So someone right. has given me... Um, <laughs> Yeah, a, another Clive puppet, wow, a, a okay. little, a little one. So, she might feature at some wow. point in the future. Yeah, oh, wow. I didn't realise that. So there might be another, yeah, uh, addition. And, and you've done Dinah and Clive pretty much throughout the last two years. There's not many weeks you've missed. No, so um, I used to take Clive into school. So right, okay. Um, he used to come out occasionally, but since, well, since the pandemic, he's really been. Involved more or less every week, yes. Yeah. So that's a, a lot of scripts and a lot of prep. It is. Uh, over, those, um, over those two years. And I think one of the things, just from watching Dino Clive, I think is how you've managed to create this kind of repertoire and, and how he connects with you and how you talk and, and how we hear what he's thinking through you. And that kind of conversation is uh, it's a really lovely thing to watch. And I think that's why kids have engaged with it and the church families engage with it as well. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because he seems to have developed a character of his own as well, and it's like he comes up with things that I perhaps wouldn't say, but that's become a, a Cliveism, if you like. Yeah. And uh, you know, to start with, he never used to really be into cake, but now if he <laughs> doesn't mention cake, I think people would be very disappointed. <laughs> it's kind of his thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. uh, it'd be interesting to how that where that came from and evolved from. Was that just the last two years? It was kind of yeah. So it start was. Off it cake, started off with them um, during the pandemic when people couldn't buy flour. Oh, uh, okay. Like, so that's he where was it came doing from. baking, and that's where it started. Really. Uh, yeah. There you go. Well, it's uh, a joy to have you join us as we uh, reflect uh, a little bit, and we're still in John. Uh, if people aren't uh, kind of listening on Sunday mornings uh, and we've had so we've had I kind of joked on Sunday we've had the exciting passages you know he's fed the 5,000 he's walked on water uh, and then we get kind of this synagogue against the Sea of Galilee uh, kind of back and forth with the crowd um, and just Claire did have some input um, I know she's not here but one of her inputs uh, reflecting on Sunday was um, it was a long passage, you know, that we kind of went through, um, and, and it felt like I, I'd probably maybe erred more on the background rather than the application. You know, so there's linking back to Ezekiel, to Abraham, to thinking through what Jesus was trying to say, um, but probably a bit application light. So it's kind of that. So what? What? What kind of 
come Monday morning, uh, what does understanding that Jesus is the bread of life, uh, understanding why he was saying what he was saying, how does that impact us? So it would be good to think around a little bit of the application side to it. Uh, and obviously you you did a Diana and Clive video, but uh, you probably recorded it a little while ago. Yes, so it's not, <laughs> not fresh in my mind. So yes, um, it was a really difficult one to prepare yeah, for actually. Okay. Um, and I ended up doing something which was not what I had originally thought about. But it was about being hungry. So it was taking this uh, thought of, of being hungry and what things we're hungry for. Yeah, and okay. obviously Clive is always hungry for cake. But it, it's what what are people hungry for? And what do we mean when we say somebody is hungry for mm. something that isn't necessarily food? Um, and so trying to look at it yeah. from that respect. And oh, it's a way that uh, hopefully the children will connect into. Yes, and I think you did make that connection with what you're sort of hungry for. And I think, I guess an opportunity to think, well, you know, we look around the world, don't we? And we look around Shelford and where we live um, with our family situations, people we work with. And I guess we can see some obvious things that people are hungry for, um, you know, in the world. And, you know, though, so the obvious ones come up to kind of um, success, money, wealth, status. I guess they're the obvious ones, aren't they? Um is there anything below the surface or a little bit different to that that maybe comes to mind? Well, I think I'm hungry for attention. I, and I was thinking yeah, about, okay. you know, uh, children in school often, you know, and you'll get the children who misbehave or, you know, maybe at home. And sometimes that is to do with a desire for attention. So yeah, it's that okay. hunger for attention. It's how can I get attention? And I, and I think also people who are hungry for for love mm. who feel alone and they just want that love that companionship that friendship yeah. um and in a place like shelford we don't always think about people being lonely and hungry for love and affection but i think there are a lot of people who yeah. feel quite alone really and they're the same thing aren't they attention and affection love they're kind of it's it's a lot of shouting about you know kind of what you know kind of it's the same thing isn't it you know i want sort of attention for something or you know looking for others um to give us those things and it often comes from a place of not having you know either enough love for yourself or understanding of who you are um so we kind of project that all out there don't we yeah uh, to people and that can come across in lots of different kind of um ways of people you know relating with others yeah absolutely i think that's something that that people struggle with quite a mm. bit and i guess over the last two years you know our patterns of getting those sort of things you know have been disrupted you know so if you get some kind of uh, attention from what you achieve at work or what you accomplish you know that kind of feature and then we suddenly had the situation where everyone was locked behind doors and you maybe didn't get the same you know um, level of sort of uh, appreciation uh, that you'd had in the past yeah and I think also it, you know it's really exacerbated the fact that that people need people yeah okay. um, and so being locked in and not being able to have those connections and those mm. contacts that people have had in the past that can really affect how somebody feels yeah and just the simple thing of seeing someone's face as well it was uh, it's interesting as you as the masks get taken off a little bit slower than I thought actually come Sunday morning I thought um no one would be wearing them but it seems the majority of people were but as soon as you see someone's whole face um your ability to connect with them certainly if you're talking 
um, is vastly different. You know, staring at a room with everyone where all we can see is their eyes is actually quite difficult. Um, so as masks come away, there's an opportunity to really connect uh, and understand people a little bit better because I think that's a real barrier still. Uh, and as the restrictions come, and I know people are at different places with what they feel comfortable in, and uh, we kind of, maybe some of us are holding on to the mask because yeah. we feel that's, you know, uh, a little bit of a comfort or a protection. Um, but it does put a barrier up, you know, between people. Um, and that can be quite hard to overcome sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's quite interesting. I was caught something on the news, and it was talking about um, people who have, earned a living during the pandemic by gaming and being on YouTube yeah, and, okay. and having a, a channel that everybody watches. And they were saying about, you know, having having to be on there so many hours per day, um, but they have lost the ability to connect with people yeah. face to face. And there's that, that hunger to make that connection with people again. Yeah, we become quite locked in, don't we? And, uh, and find it quite difficult to engage you know, outside of it. So I guess that's one, that kind of attention, affection. I think other things, you know, that maybe we've sort of hunger for. Um, I'm trying to think of things that may be a little bit less obvious um, than, the, you know, we always say, when, you know, it's, it's success and, and money, like I've already said, but I think there's probably other things. Does anything else spring to mind? Well, I'm just thinking about peace. So peace okay. of mind. Yeah, you okay. know, people are often very stressed and, and they have a hunger to have that peace again mm, okay. and and no idea where to find it. Yeah, so I mean that's, you know, there's kind of a heightened interest in mindfulness, isn't there, in a lot of ways, that sort of idea of um, how do we engage, you know, our whole mind and body in uh, thinking through things. You know, we're so, you know, jumpy around sometimes on what we, um, and where our mind is and that's not a peaceful place to be in. Um, so mindfulness and, you know, I think, you know, I haven't got a huge amount of uh, connection with mindfulness, but it feels very close to meditation in a lot of ways, doesn't it? It's, uh, you know, not too far from the biblical concept of yeah, meditating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I guess our, our point would be, what are you meditating on? You know, and I think that's where, you know, we would come to, you know, a Christian perspective on mindfulness, not just a humanistic perspective on it. Yeah, and I think that there's that element of mindfulness that it's about um, being able to engage yourself and recognise the place that you're in in the here and now okay. so it's it's um yeah grounding yourself in in the present um and i think that's a, a very positive thing but i think that that also connects in with what you were talking about on sunday with um you talked about um jesus relating the story of the exodus mm. to the story of the israelites at that time and i was just thinking that you know <clears throat> we all have a story we all have a story and Jesus is a part of that story, whether we recognize that or not. Yeah. And and that's about grounding ourselves in the here and now, grounding ourselves in him, about recognizing where we are mm. and what is real and what isn't real. And I think that sort of connects into that. Yeah, and I think because, you know, we read scripture and we read this and we don't necessarily have the same level of understanding that the people of the day has you know so that's why we see these extreme reactions that people have you know that we need to persecute him and stone him because it's like where's that come from it's come from because jesus is <coughs> re-understanding or reimagining some of that some of their story in quite a profound and challenging way um 
so this images imagery imagery around you know food and walking through water and all those things are poignant for that culture you know they're sa- he's saying something quite drastic um and pushing the boundaries of thinking that maybe we not too dissimilar to how maybe in other things people are pushing the boundaries of our thinking on stuff so um the whole human sexuality debate it feels like someone's there pushing the boundaries and we're pushing you know where it goes and i think jesus is doing a similar thing with the culture there he's taking their understanding and pushing it further and that feels quite uncomfortable for people to sit in you know and hear yeah because people feel secure in what they know yeah in their story yeah Mm. and when the walls are moved and when the boundaries are moved you know people don't feel so secure anymore and Mm. it's like having the rug pulled out from under your feet and it's like okay where do I stand now and Mm. what do I think about this and do I want to think about this and do I want to change Mm. what I think about this because actually I felt safe where I was and Mm. I think that can be quite disruptive and just so we we've often talked about um well we talk when we meet together and and think about where the church is going and I think unfortunately in a changing world people then think of the church well that shouldn't change (laughs) so everything else is kind of you know on shifting sands but the church should stay the same and uh, I think as we've come through the pandemic we've often reflected a little bit actually that it can't be that we've just got to go back to the same and stick the same um despite how some people might think that's really comforting well it's okay well that's changing over there but at least church is the same yeah and i think that's quite an interesting thing there's a um a song that i remember from when i was at school it was a song we used to sing often in assembly and it was about everything changes but god Mm. changes not and the power never changes that lies in his thought but it's like god is the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change but he is not the church and sometimes i think we can think that he is the church and Mm. therefore the church can't change but when we look at where the church is now this isn't where the church was 100 years ago 500 years ago thousand years you know it it, it's changed everything has changed within that but god hasn't changed and that's what we have to remember yeah and you know it's it's ultimately why Jesus got into trouble so much was because he was trying to change an institution that really didn't want to change and so invested in keeping it, keeping the status quo for their own protection within the Roman Empire. You know, it's like if they, you know, kind of shake the boat too much, uh, then they're going to find themselves in trouble quite quickly. Um, uh, and it's the same reason why he got, you know, it's nearly all the conflict was because he was challenging the system, you know, of the day. Um but and yeah, and it's interesting for us as a, a church community. Um, and I think when things do shift and change, you're reminded of understanding the real meanings behind the stories. You know, so it does. It challenges your thinking a bit. So we think about well, what does church really mean? And you go back to the old story and think, well, no. You know, we often go back to the early church, don't you? So you go back to Acts and think, well, yeah. what is that about? And think. So it takes you back to that, and you try and get to a point where you filtered out some of the, the kind of the ups and downs of church history, and they. Let's go back to the basics. And that's what Jesus was doing here, wasn't it? He was saying, let's not get obsessed about the law because before the law, there was this guy, Abraham, and he was the one that you know, really loved God and God loved him. And they had this kind of relationship together. And uh, I yeah. thought that was quite an interesting jump back to jump over the law, you know, because everyone was getting caught up in the law. It was all about the Sabbath law. That's what people were upset about. And Jesus is 
finds a way to kind of go right back to the basics. And I think that's probably what we do with Acts 2, isn't it? It's like go right back to the early church. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and look at the things that these were the, this was how it started. This was how it began. This, these are the things that are really important. Um, and other things that have built on that might also be important, but they might also be completely irrelevant. Yeah. And it's only when you look back at how things began that mm. you can see what the truth is. Yeah. So that I thought that was quite an interesting um, reflection um, on it. You've made some notes. That's more than... Um, no, these are just the notes on your sermon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does anything <laughs> jump out? I'm impressed you made, you made notes on Sunday morning, did you? No, I listened to your sermon oh, again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there anything jump out application-wise? Well, yeah. It was uh, something you said about... Um, the people wanting this miraculous sign, and you used the phrase that the miraculous can be corrosive to yeah. genuine faith. That wasn't. I should have. I don't know. If, I never no, know whether I to know credit it people. wasn't yours it wasn't because mine. I've read Google it in it? a book since. <laughs> See, maybe we've read the same book. I can't remember. Yes, where. It's, it's uh, always that fine line between if you end up. It was such a powerful little statement, yeah. And if you end up kind of introducing it and saying this person said that, it kind of it loses some of its yeah. um, power. And what book was it? It's um, Carson. Oh, I know it. Yeah, it is from yeah. the commentary. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. There you go. I found out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really interesting. I thought it was a really interesting phrase. Yeah. Um, and it, it really jumped out at me when you mentioned it on Sunday, and then when I, I listened to your sermon again, I thought, yeah, that that's really mm. powerful. Um, and I because you see that in the world, don't you? That that we can live. It's not too dissimilar to kind of the attention seeking, isn't it? We always, you know, if we just live for the. Um, that kind of quick fix or the the kind of the miraculous yeah and it's about one wanting signs and and wanting mm. um healing and you linked it to the um um yeah prosperity the prosperity gospel, gospel. Yeah, okay. and and i hadn't thought of it like that um but i just think that there are people who want to see things it's like well, I want proof. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, give me proof. I want proof. If if this miracle happens, if if God answers this prayer, if hmm. um, this person is healed, if my situation changes, then then I'll I'll believe. Hmm. Um, and you know, Jesus was talking to people that that time who were also saying, "Well, you know, if you if you can provide us with bread all the time, then hmm. then then we'll believe that." that's who you are and it, it's this thing that we have this desire to have these things but actually those aren't the things that make us believe mm. necessarily um we might think oh well if this happens then i'll believe but when it happens then it would be oh well if something else happens then mm. i'll believe it's it's always we always want something else we always want more mm. it's almost as if we're never satisfied with that and and always trying to explain it away so it wasn't yeah, a supernatural okay. thing. It, this would have happened anyway. Mm. I think it's interesting to I, I often think about kind of the prosperity gospel and how we how that's come about. And I, I think that some of us think, well, it's just an American thing. It's not um, in our culture. But I think there's elements of it in our culture, uh, in our church history as well. That you know, we there's still a belief that if we are good, we'll get good things. You know, that we'll be rewarded with good things and. And uh, that we see those as a way of, you know, kind of getting 
that God's affirming us or that God's rewarding us. Um, and I do think that's a really, you know, counter gospel way of understanding things. It's, yeah, and if you're not careful, you become addicted to those things that, you know, and I think that's where um, Carson was trying to get to in his commentary was that, you know, it becomes a really corrosive to our faith because we just look to that. And if we don't get that, you know, if we don't get that job or we don't get that pay rise or, you know, that illness doesn't go away, then our faith is, you know, battered because of it. Yeah, because it's it sort of looking at uh, the idea that good things only happen to good people and bad things happen to bad yes. people. And you've got two things there because you have, have the thing about who decides whether this is a good thing or a bad yeah. thing, Yeah, you know. Um, and also it's like, how does that affect our faith and, and how do we then view God uh, through that? Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's still a bit of that transactional, you know, um, faith, isn't it? Um, I was chatting to someone at the Community Coffee Morning who's an avid Cambridge United fan. Uh, and Cambridge are playing Luton at the weekend, and it was, uh, and we were joking. We often have a laugh about it, but it's like, well, how many times do I need to pray to make sure that God will make Cambridge win? And it's like, well, you know, if you did a week's worth of prayer, would that, you know, kind of change God's mind? And then we were joking and said, well, what if there's a Luton fan praying exactly the same prayer? You know, does God answer them over you? And uh, it's interesting. I think we we still can get into this mindset of a transactional you know because everything's transactional in life isn't it you know we work is transactional you give of your time and you get rewarded you know nearly everything's transactional in some ways but god's grace says it's not about that it's different to that yeah and i think that's because that we see our relationship with god or people see their relationship with god as being about favors mm. so um if if we're if we believe if we do an act of service then then god is going to reward us because we've done that and it's it's yeah, uh, okay. it's that sort of mentality it's like like work you know you do your work and you get your pay um but what people might then fail to recognize is that god has already given us everything you know he's given us jesus we've mm. been given that outpouring of grace um, and there isn't anything else that we can do because we've already got it all yeah and that's where the kind of walking by faith, isn't it, comes into it. And that's why I think that kind of addiction to miraculous. Because it's interesting, you, you look at certainly how John records the miracles. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit sporadic considering, you know, if you think Jesus' ministry was three years, you know, we get a number of them recorded. But it's not like every, it didn't seem not recorded that every day things happened. Um, but he uses big things along the way and small things to, you know, I guess impact individuals um i think in john's got it's interesting there's less of the keeping things secret than i think in mark's, mark's gospel is always the way you keep it quiet you know, yeah, don't, don't tell anybody don't tell anyone it's all the time it's constant until it kind of uh, until it flicks with john it's very different he's actually they're all very public uh, and there's not a sense of don't talk about it there's a sense of building this kind of energy towards you know who jesus is and the conflicts come really early in john and um, there's already people really annoyed with him um, because it's not a secret. Mm. Uh, and he's kind of um, shouting a little bit more about them uh, and doing some more drastic things along the way. Okay, so that's an interesting um, reflection. Anything else come to mind? Your little um, pad of notes there? Well, that, that was just a, a reflection I had about about the food. So um, 
talked about food that, that spoils and, and Clive mm. talked about we talked about that with Clive about that the cake might yeah, go stale. Okay. I don't think it would in Clive's house because he would eat it before it got <laughs> stale. But, you know, Clive, um, cake will go stale, bread will go stale. Um, and it's this thing about food spoils, mm. but what um, what Jesus gives is never going to spoil. It's yeah, never going okay. to go off. It's never going to... Um, go rotten it will always be something good and uh, just a, a little thing i was thinking about isaiah 55 where it talks about come by and eat mm. and why waste your money on what does not satisfy mm, yeah okay and and it just made me think about um people who who have this thing about material mm. materialistic attitude and, and always wanting to have things or always wanting to buy things and you read about, um, you know, we're going to go on a shopping expedition um, because this makes us feel good. So it's mm. not it's not that um, you need the things, but buying the things, you know, is is, mm. is a good thing. It makes you feel better. And and I just thought, you know, that sort of relates into that because people are buying things because they think it makes them feel better, and it probably does. But those things are are all of material value. They yeah. have no lasting value mm. whatsoever. Um, and that's sort of related into that passage. And I think that's quite a significant... Yeah, it is. Good. I mean, we all do it, don't we? We're feeling a bit low, so we grab a chocolate bar or go on an online shop or get a distraction somewhere. We're, you know, we're kind of, you know, that seems to happen all the time and... Uh, I think Jesus' counter is just look for real food. You know, don't look for those things because, okay, they might give you a little buzz, but they don't last. Uh, and it never lasts because it always fades. You know, that satisfaction from that thing, you know, won't ever last. But um, we find ourselves sometimes caught in those habits, don't we? Uh, and that's where kind of addictions and getting overly focused on things comes from because we just get overly fixated on wanting that little buzz, that little high um, from something. Um and the spiritual challenge, the really hard challenge for all of us is uh, is that wrestling with God through those difficult times. You know, not always looking for the quick fix, but looking for the, how does God speak into this, into our lives? Yeah. Yeah. And and we want to have a quick fix. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely, we're, isn't we're, it? You know, we're a society that, you know, wants something <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Um, I think that the pandemic has taught us a little bit that, there isn't a quick fix no. for many things. Um, but that doesn't stop us wanting it. No, because it's very, I mean, it's just ingrained. And we are, we have more access to stuff than we've ever done, you know. And there's more things at our fingertips than people ever had before. Um, you know, just, it didn't take like the whole shopping thing. There is no, shops aren't closed now, ever. You know, they're always open. They're always online. Uh, you can do it whenever you want. You know, yeah. you don't have to plan a trip. It's there. Um, so, and that's where you look at the, you made a comment about the gambling addiction. It's there. You don't have to go to the bookshop, either down to the betting shop or wait for the pub to open to get in the slots machines. It's there. It's all the time. Um, and that's exposed, I guess, our humanness to always look for this quick fix all the time. Yeah. Um, but like Don Carson said, it's always corrosive. It's just corrosive. It just kind of eats away at us. Yeah. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day about, um, hospitality and um thinking about 
having people round for a meal and it's mm. like you know if you invite people around for dinner you probably spend a bit more time preparing it yeah, you know okay. you look at a menu and you choose something and you know you spend a bit more time in the kitchen whereas probably most of the time you just do something really quick when it's mm. just for you at home <laughs> we were talking about how it was um for people like abraham who um when visitors came and that uh, he had uh, the visitors who came um and it was like oh stop for dinner well, well actually I'll now go and kill the sheep. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, not a quick you know, process. It's, you know, it's a it's a long process before you get your dinner. <clears throat> I don't know how many people would want to sit in McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> all that time. No, but within that, yeah, and that's so picking up on the food thing as well because the whole food thing is really important, isn't it? You know, the figure yeah. of the five thousand was about hospitality. It was about who was welcome at the meal, who was welcome at Jesus' table, um, uh, and it wasn't just you know, you know delivery or something coming to your door it was a, a big part of culture a big part of the conversation um but I, I think that's the challenge is how do we navigate a world where we have all this instant access uh and that requires more self-control because you have to be self-controlled you know to in in a spiritual journey sense how do we grow in our faith when there's all these flashing nice shiny things around us and god's saying no no come to the real food that lasts and we're just so busy picking up all the shiny uh, nice looking things um and that's some of the real deep spiritual journey that we need to go on that leads us um to a deeper understanding of our faith um rather than the superficial i think if we're not careful we just <coughs> replace the shiny things in the world that get our attention with the shiny things in church that get our attention you know and we're just repeat repeating the same thing and uh, it's how do we get food that lasts yeah and i think part of that is is having that um desire and the opportunity to just be still sometimes yeah okay. take those opportunities to be still um i've started setting an alarm on my phone oh, okay so it goes off in the day um in the middle of the day and it's just a reminder okay. to stop and be still for a minute and not get so distracted by all the busyness that I have mm. all the things I have to do I think those things are really finding a few things that help you um yeah it's interesting so I found myself at home alone now Claire's disappeared off to work and the kids are all at school so I'm often sitting here and I I get a lot from just the routine of stuff so like stopping doing the dishwasher and just slowing down and, and using some of those rhythms creating some rhythms yeah. in, uh, in my day um, and try not to get distracted by <laughs> time-wasting things. But um, I think it is important that we find ways of finding a rhythm you know, within yeah. the, um, within our lives. Well, we've come up to half an hour. Can you believe it? No. There you go. <laughs> half an hour. Diana, it's been a joy um, having you um, share a little bit um, uh, as a guest speaker. I need to remind everyone it's just a guest, if Claire's listening as well, uh, so she knows she's not been replaced. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the conversation. Uh, we uh, pray that a blessing on you this day as you've um, listened with us. Take care. God bless.